Welcome back to our Christian Marriage Podcast. This is our fifth episode. It's been really fun having these talks, and I hope that you're enjoying them as well. I'm here with my wife, Karina. Hi, everyone. Can you please introduce to us what we will be talking about today? So today we will be talking about true love. I think that this is a very good topic to touch on because there are so many different ways that we think love really is. But if we look into scripture, we can identify how God defines love. For example, how many times do we actually use the word love? Like, I love my car, I love playing games, I love the show, especially in our culture or in our language. Um, But there is a problem that comes up when we think of this type of love that we can apply to almost everything. What happens when someone has an addiction and says they love drugs? or anything that is not considered good. Is this really true love? I think a good way to cover what a lot of people think what love really is, is by going back to our childhood and thinking of what ways we grew up learning what love really was. I remember growing up and watching Disney um, movies or even cartoons, and there was always a common message in many of the fairy tales that we're told and it goes back into a simple sentence that says follow your heart obviously we can relate this to how we should go to our feelings when we think of love actually the majority of people believe that love is actually how it feels but is this the same way that god defines love well to be quite honest a lot of the times when there is a widespread belief I believe that it's something to watch out for since Christ made it clear in Matthew 7 verse 14 that says that the gate to heaven is small and the way to everlasting life is narrow. Only a few people find it. Um, This comes to show that uh, when there's a widespread belief, it might not always be the right way. But for now, I think that the only way we can know what God thinks of love is by looking at the Holy Scriptures. Time and time again, the Bible goes on to describe that relying on yourself alone is very dangerous. For example, in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is an exact reference to what God thinks about the human heart. Back in Noah's time, Uh, It was so bad that God even felt sorry for creating the human race because the wickedness of man was so great on the earth that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, continually. That's pretty scary, if you ask me. But if the Bible says that the human heart is wicked, then what does God actually think love is? Well, to start off, I don't think that God starts thinking of what love is because 1 John 4 verse 16 says that God is love. If anything, that is why Jesus came, to show us who his father really was. Um, John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I think a lot of us can agree that One of the best ways to represent God's love was the act of Jesus dying for us. But how was Jesus feeling before he made his act of love? In the Garden of Gethsemane, um, Jesus was actually thinking on what he had to do because it was the night before Judas came to get him arrested. 
And I find it really surprising when we start to look at this um, passage with this whole follow your heart idea in mind. In Matthew 26, verse 37 to 39, it says, And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Here is a good example of how God was 100% human, even though he was divine. His feelings of sadness and stress were so bad that he even felt like dying just thinking about what he had to go through. He even asked his father in heaven if it was possible for him not to suffer the way that he knew he was going to suffer. But the will of God became the main reason why he was going to do it, no matter how he felt. Thank God that he actually went through with it. Um, Even in his deepest weakness, he looked for God's will in his life to make it happen. So then we can come to the conclusion that love is the example of Christ especially in his act of dying for us, which was doing the best of the interest of another person, the principle of giving no matter how one might really feel. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Uh, especially when you say that love does not necessarily have to be the way one feels, Mm -hmm. simply because of the concept of what hard love really is. Uh, I remember when my son Elijah was born, he was born with a small amount of jaundice, Uh, which is when we saw that there was a little yellow in his eyes and we had to monitor his blood to make sure that as he was being treated that it was actually going away. The problem was that my son was very sensitive when he was born. So every time that they had to check his blood, they had to poke his little feet. It came to a point that once they took off his sock, he immediately would open his eyes because he knew he was going to get poked. Even though I felt really sad seeing him go through all the crying, it didn't stop me from doing the act of love of checking my son and making sure he was going to get better. Thankfully, by the grace of God and through lots of prayer, Elijah got better. Um, But this concept of love is in the times where it seems like it's not an act of love because we might not feel good about it. But as long as it's doing something for the best interest of the other person, Feelings shouldn't stop you from doing it because feelings can ultimately lie. Um, Sometimes you can be in a relationship, for example, and just because you think your feelings is love in the relationship, it might force you to stay in in a relationship that um, the person might be doing harm to you or maybe not thinking the best interest in you uh, like you do for your partner. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the best way to understand love is to go back to what Jesus did for us. I believe that the fact that God gave his one and only son to make sure that we are saved through his sacrifice, this is an act so hard to understand um, that this will be an act that we will be learning about forever. And one of the things that Jesus made clear to all of us is that he did this for everyone that was willing to accept him in their lives. Um, in Matthew 18, verse 3 and 4 says, And said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. A lot of the time we think that the more time or experience one person has in this world, or the older you are, the more you know compared to the young, which is not always the case. Um, Jesus confirms this when he says that we have to be as humble as a child to reach heaven. Mm-hmm. And why is that? It's Well, it's because, I believe it's because the older we get, the harder it is for Jesus to reach to us because of our pride or since we go through so much in life that we believe we can like we we end up becoming hard-headed and especially if the message comes from someone who is much younger than us but as long as the message is grounded completely in the bible the message can become really really important um so as long as we are willing to learn from the bible we can understand things way better like this idea of love especially with Christ going back to his death. What did his death really do for us? Well, because he did not sin once and he lived a life of righteousness, he was not only a living example for us, but he also paid the price that we were supposed to pay, which is the death that we deserved since the wages of sin is death. And in his death, in a spiritual sense, became our death. And through him, the righteous life that he deserves can become ours and one thing i can make well that i want to make clear is that um scripture does not support that we are saved because of what we do because everyone falls short of the glory of god it's actually through the faith in jesus that we can be justified by god because it's grace and a gift from god to be saved we will never be able to do anything that saves us other than simply accepting the gift of salvation and being humble Uh, But that doesn't mean by any way that there shouldn't be evidence of a saved life. We are supposed to reflect God's character since Jesus wants us to be the light to the world. And light, in a sense, is a reflection. So in other words, we reflect the character of an invisible God so that others might believe in Him. I don't think we could do this without accepting salvation first, though. But I also don't think that we can accept the salvation and continue doing bad things because that means we show others we aren't saved. There is scripture to support this idea in James 2, 14 uh, to 24. Can you please read it, Karina? Mm-hmm. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute, of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body? What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, You do well. Um, Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Yes, thank you. Um, the idea that even demons believe in God and tremble is really scary and a powerful point because I remember there was a point in my life that I didn't even believe that Jesus existed because of a documentary of these guys. How much worse can that actually be? But most of all, we show the angels and God that judges us um, whether or not there is works or in other words, good deeds as evidence that we have accept, accepted salvation and took it seriously like Abraham that only fulfilled the scripture of believing in God uh, once he did the works or deeds he was asked to do. The moment we accept Christ into our lives, we start a transformation. It doesn't come from human power, but by the Spirit of God that transforms us into His image. Think about it. If there is more, no more sin in heaven, and it is not allowed, and our characters are the only thing that stays the same other than our bodies that change, what happens if we still think doing bad things is okay? Wouldn't we want to attempt to sin like envying and wanting someone else's rewards from God like a crown? In another sense, it would be torture for us to not be able to do what we want to do, like all the things we did on earth. We would probably think that there's just too many rules to follow. So Christ wants to change and transform us while we are still alive so that he can prepare us to be in a place like heaven, but also to prove to the world and to the angels for when we are judged by God, that you have been saved by grace and your actions demonstrate this. Yeah, but I think there is an argument out there that a true Christian life of obedience is a boring and restricting one. For starters, God was the inventor of pleasure, and he knows which ways he can satisfy us. And being able to do anything, including sin, is not the pleasure he had in mind for us. If you really think about it, there actually is freedom in rules. Take, for example, the law of stealing. Let's just say that there wasn't any laws that kept us from stealing from each other. This takes away the freedom of owning your own things because someone else will take it. In the same way, if there is a law that says that we can't steal from each other and everyone follows it, we have the freedom of having any possessions without fearing of it being taken away from someone else. That's true. And when you accept Christ into your life, no matter how you feel at the moment, if you are willing to love and follow him by wanting to be more like him, it becomes way easier to do it, um, to do what he wants us to do, like follow the Ten Commandments. Not because you were told to or because you will be saved by it, but simply because you want to give God the best of yourself because you truly love him and also because you understand why it's not good to do the bad things um, that he says we shouldn't do yeah and to close i actually wanted to touch upon the idea of a christian life is boring as i said before i used to live a life where i actually did whatever i wanted and i would go smoke up go to clubs pop pills drink get drunk say anything I wanted, I would always swear, people that used to know me would literally see me walking around with a mean face. Generally, I wasn't mad at anyone, but I can say that I actually wasn't happy. 
But I'm pretty sure that even the first time that Christ ever changed me, uh, when I was in high school, I was a whole different person. It was such a big change that people that knew me thought it was so weird that I changed. Ever since, until now, uh, I can say that God has completely changed me even more and my perspective on life as well. Just to take, for example, the type of music I listen to now. If you were to go on your apps and search for a scripture singer, uh, just to get an idea of what I listen to, some people I knew before would probably laugh at this. Uh, to be honest, I would probably even laugh at it as well uh, if I thought of what I do now uh, compared to what I used to listen to. Um, but now that the way I see it is that I would rather live a life where I'm actually happy than to be feeling the ways that I used to feel when I was in high school or any time before that. I can f I follow what God wants me to do through His grace, and I can tell you that I've never felt so free in my entire life. My life with God now is completely changed, and I can testify that a Christian life is not something that is boring or something that you wouldn't want. Even if you don't want it, like I didn't want in the beginning, what I actually did was I prayed to God to give me these desires that I have now, and now that I have them, I can say that I'm not only happy, but I have the joy in my life that I never had before, just because I accepted the true love of Christ. So can you please pray for us, Karina? Mm -hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray to you today that we can all hear and understand what you define true love as. I pray that we can pr practice this love that is beautifully demonstrated in the life and death of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that we can all look unto your Son, that you not only give us the desire to follow him and be like him, but to also help us actually do it. Only you can bring us the love that we desire. So I pray for this love for everyone here, and even those that couldn't hear this message. I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for sticking around. I hope that it's been a good time that you shared with me and my wife as we went through scripture together and this topic of love. And I hope that um, you, you can listen to the many episodes we have in mind still. Feel free to give us feedback or follow us to keep updated on the next episodes. We are trying our best to keep it on Wednesdays, so we'll see how it goes. But for now, I guess we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.